Hey, welcome to Down in the Valley. You're listening to our podcast version, Running in Syndication, thanks to our friends at the Beautiful Game Network. We air live on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central on our YouTube channel. So don't forget to subscribe to it at youtube.com slash down in the valley. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at down in the RGB. Be sure to join us live on the show to interact in real time with us to talk all about RGBFC. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Down in the Valley. My name is Edson Ochoa. Accompanying me, like uh, every week, is my good old friend and co-host, Jacob Young. Jacob, how are you doing, man? Uh, Doing well. Looking forward to, well, looking forward to this Friday. The season actually gets started this Friday, and I couldn't be any more thrilled than I am. I'm really ready to get this season started and to see what the Toros have to bring for the regular season. We thought it, ne- it was never going to come, but it fi- it's finally coming tomorrow. So thank you all, everybody who's, who's watching right now. Be sure to get, leave a like on the video. Be sure to share it with uh, your family and your friends, uh, as well as subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Um, be sure to also follow our friends at the Beautiful Game Network on Twitter, at the BGNFM. They are uh, pretty much helping us in making sure our podcasts are available in all of uh, the uh, podcasting platforms and while you're there you know listen to our podcasts uh, if you manage to miss something uh in this show be sure to to check out the the podcast go to spotify soundcloud stitcher google podcasts and itunes Listen to us, stream it, be sure to leave a good review, uh, like it, share it, and because uh, all of that really, really, really helps us. What, be sure to also check out um, the um, their website, the B, uh, BGN.FM, and check out their uh, main sponsor, which is Roughneck Scarves. They're the official scarf supplier of USL, MLS, and NCAA. Wow, that is a ma- that's a mouthful. So without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce our, our special guest for tonight. He is the original member of Down in the Valley, the one you, you read every Wednesday on the bull in its horns, and the man that is solely responsible of making us feel more connected to our Toros players. He is the one, the only, the legend, Carson A. Merck. Carson, how you doing, man? Man, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna disappoint after hearing that intro. I, just a, I'm just a simple man. I'm just a working class hero. <laughs> nah, man. Like you, you laid the groundwork for all of this, man. And and like we're really, I can never stress this enough. We're really appreciative of everything that you that you do you did with uh, the Down in the Valley back in the Peel days, and all you keep on doing with with the with the articles that you write that, that you write uh, every week. I mean, it's. It's 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 a difficult thing to kind of stay stay in that um, in that rhythm, and uh, you do it very very well. Because I mean, you not only talk about the Toros, you also got uh, uh, all these other projects that you work on as well. Yeah, man, I I, I stay busy. That's for sure. Definitely. Well, so, you know, we all uh, we we have to. If not, uh, life can be so so boring. So. What's what's uh, go ahead and, and say hi to everybody, Carson. Yo, what's going on, everybody? <laughs> so what? So besides uh, 
tell them a little bit more about yourself. What do you do? What do you do? What is your impact in in the U.S. soccer world? Man, uh, it's funny you would hear that mention. I feel like Emperor Palpatine or something. But um, I would so to kind of do the rundown. Obviously, the Bull and the Torrens every Wednesday at DynamoTheory.com. Then I do the other football podcast, which is also on Beautiful Game Network. Going in the Beautiful Game Network, I also do uh, all edit all the written content at USLNews.com, which is just the Beautiful Game Network's written side of things. Shout out to Ray Silva covering the Toros on that side of things. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, cover Newcastle United and obviously the lights here. So I have a lot of a lot of soccer in my life, and that, that's a good life in my eyes. Yeah, d- definitely. I've listened to like uh, a couple of of your the other football podcasts, and not only do you guys talk re- about you know soccer really really well here in abroad, but also like the interesting topics that you all bring out. I remember I remember specifically this one, the one where I think one of your other co-hosts went over to Europe, and he was talking about that they sold bacon in the concession stands. Yeah, that, he was actually in, in Sweden. Yeah, and they bacon is just like it was just another movie snack, which is crazy. But yeah, we definitely it's I always say it's soccer centric, but it usually ends up as far away from soccer as possible. Like the French French fry rankings a few weeks ago, and yeah, so it uh, it's soccer soccer adjacent, we'll say. <laughs> Well, you know, um, it, it, it keeps it keeps things it keeps things uh, a lot of fun, and it's really interesting. It'll be I'll actually go go back and check out that episode because I do find I'm I find that topic intriguing and see which which fries you all thought were were the best. But um, anyways, so let's go ahead and and, uh, and continue with with this, uh, Carson. Like you mentioned, you cover the Toros. Uh, you've uh, you cover not, uh, other teams in, in the USL. You pretty much attentive. You know, during this off season, at the end of last season, USL announced their rebranding with the, within their three tiers, which was USL Championship, USL League One, and USL League Two. As we all, as you, a lot of people that are listening right now, you, it, why it sounds familiar? Yeah, it's pretty much a copy of the FA. Uh, with uh, Championship League 1 and League 2 being D2, D3, and D4 over there in England. So, Carson, what are your thoughts on this rebranding? Do you, uh, did you like it, or do you think it's just a, like a gimmick? Yeah, initially I was a little unsure about it, uh, kind of like you said, being that I, even that I cover Newcastle United, so I'm always hearing about the English levels of soccer, so like you said, it was a little bit of a retread for me, but... Um, I don't hate that they rebranded. I like that it's it's kind of a, a system now. You know, obviously if there's a there's a rate there's a ranking. So you have the championship, you have League One, you have League Two. But I think it just makes it a little more clear rather than like USL PDL. What were you going to call the new league when it came in? So mm-hmm. um, I like that it kind of streamlines things a little bit. And as far as cosmetically, I like the color scheme. I like the new logo. It's Again, it's just it's pretty sleek to me, and then I also like that they have started to obviously USL championships you know, always get the most attention, but um, the League One is starting to kind of pick up a little bit. Uh, the teams are all very engaged in social media, 
uh, League One Fun on BTN is doing great, getting a lot of engagement with the league, with the team. So um, it's fun. And you're, you're going to see guys that, you know, in that League One that are people that you've seen in the USL Championship or you followed in college and they end up playing for a local team. So um, initially I was a little skeptical of just completely copying the English system, but um, I guess that annoyance with that has wore off pretty quickly. So what do you think was the reason for them to kind of copy the English system? Do you do you think that this was uh, trying to get something that is well that is well known to uh, attract uh, other uh, soccer fans that are not necessarily fans of U.S. Uh, soccer in any of their divisions? Yeah, potentially. Um, familiarity is definitely something that I think in marketing in general is something you're always looking for. So if you know, random guy over in England somehow stumbles across, you know, you know, you know how soccer goes. Like you'll look up highlights for something, and then you end up in like the, you know, German 17th division. You're like, I don't even know how I got here. So I don't know. Somebody over there somehow ends up in a USL League One thing. They'll at least understand the tiers just because they're familiar with it. So I'm, yeah, I guess the familiarity of it was probably well thought out. The USL has done pretty good as far as marketing, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think they did their due diligence. Jacob? Yeah, well, of course, now moving on to basically more Toro talk. Um, well, of course, the Toros did lose some players this offseason, but not as many as, of course, previous seasons. So what do you th- what players do you think the Toros will miss this year on the pitch? Yeah, I was going to say, first off, off the pitch, I think they won't miss Anwar. Um, that's that guy. He bailed on us to Cincinnati. But um, <laughs> I told him I was going to talk trash about him. This was planned. But um, as far as somebody, I think, I think obviously Todd Warden would be the first thought just because he was the captain. The position he was in was such a um, just – Central, you know, always on the ball, always leading and passing. Um, so I would, I would say probably him and Perea both. Um, outside of that, maybe Kai Green and Manny Padilla would be the other two for me, just because they don't have a lot of depth. It looks like on the outside back, but um, yeah, like you said, not as wholesale of, of departures as we've seen before, which is a good thing. Yeah, I, I know uh, Coach uh, Cheveri talks about has talked about during the preseason. You know how important it, it has been for this team to have retained a lot of these players uh, within the team that have now have experience, even if it if it is for one year uh, in the professional level. Uh, and he he thinks that's going to be uh, one of the best things that'll help this team probably hopefully get a uh, playoff spot uh, in the. In in the season, but I definitely agree uh, agree that it's one of the best things you know to see that players uh, are coming back and we're not doing a complete uh, rebuild of the uh, of the roster from one year to the other. Or heck, I mean, like you mentioned in your article, Jerson Echeverry is back for a second year. He's the first coach to ever like come back for a second year in Toros. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think Jerson Echeverry, uh is the right man for this process. He's established a process. Uh, we have seen improvements defensive wise, even if last week wasn't really a 
kind of good indicator of an improvement on defense, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but in general, I've seen, you know, you see uh, improvements on the defense and as well as the attack. So, you know, like Jerson mentioned in 2017, when he came on a board, that, def that defense in, in uh, 2017, excuse me, was Swiss cheese, holes everywhere. And it was, it was one of the worst defenses. We kind of got a glimpse of, uh, of an improvement last season. Uh, maybe we lost. Maybe we lost a couple of points to you know to not maintaining the uh, concentration for the full ninety minutes. But there's steady improvement, and I think Jerson Echeverri just needs time to continue to instill his his uh, tactics and, and his mentality over to to the players. So that's it was a, it was a good call to, to to keep him. But going on to the next question, Carson, what what of all the new players that have come into this team? Which one are you most looking forward to see in 2019? I, I don't even think this one's close. Um, Malik Foster, for me, by a long shot. Um, I think he... I saw him a little bit in Arizona when I went out to see the Dynamo. And then every person I talked to from players, fans, uh, just random people watching highlights, everyone's like, hey, this guy is... He's, he's a bona fide star, so um, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him. And then I think combining him, Chewy, I think is going to be uh, pretty good because it, at some point, Chewy was the main guy that you had to stop last year. Obviously, Carlos Small as well, but so now you have a guy opposite Chewy who's going to attract that attention as well. So, uh, yeah, Malik Foster, I don't, I don't think that's close. Um, other than that, maybe uh, I'm not sure exactly who another one might be. I, I, I'll go. I'll go with Foster and maybe Brad Dunwell for another one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look. You look at this. You look at these new players, and just with the trajectory, you know, right off the bat, like you say, Malik Foster coming in from uh, uh, Alajuelense. Um, and having that that experience in a first division team uh, over there, you know, it, it it attracts pretty much the eyes of everybody. But from what I've seen in in this preseason, I think Brad Dunwell is going to be a really a really good uh, replacement for uh, Nico Perea uh, slash uh, Todd Warden. What do you think, uh, Jacob? Well, yeah, I I think you're pretty much onto something. It's a perfect replacement. It's a young kid, obviously, so it fits well into this whole, yeah, I guess into Jerson's philosophy, into the Houston Dynamo philosophy too. You start, you start them young, basically, and you build them up even more. And I mean, Jerson talked about it a bit on uh, Tuesday at the um, at the jersey reveal. Thankfully, RGVFC happened which is awesome, but he did talk a little bit about that and said this team is super young, and of course that's not mainly the philosophy of other teams, but it can kill in the long run. Alright, Jacob, next. Okay, and so of course um, well we gotta get your opinion. How will the, how do you think the Torres will do this season? I think, I think the playoffs are somewhat realistic for me. Um, 
I don't think they're going to be one of these teams that, you know, was well out of the playoffs last year and then finishes third in the West or something like that. But I think to find the defensive ability with um, bringing back, obviously, man, they're bringing back some of the key players. I think maybe, maybe the, you know, bottom of the playoff run potentially, but. Uh, I think they're going to be much improved. I think you have now some guys that have played together for a year in the attack. I think that they're going to be able to turn, because obviously last year was all about the draw. I don't know how many they had. They were the most in the U.S. talent. But uh, maybe people here and there that turns the draw into a, a win. Mm-hmm. So, so, I believe Foster, say he scores you, I don't know, 15 goals, turn, you know, Ten of the draws and the wins—that's obviously going on high end. But uh, no, I, I think that playoffs should be a, should be a realistic goal. Um, if anything, I would just like to see consistent improvement because I think that's what you saw last year compared to the 2017. Yeah. I definitely definitely agree with that. Um, I too believe that. There are they are a team that is going to be contending for playoffs, and like you say, like like you say, I think they'll be pretty much the the in the lower ends of the uh, of the top eight. But I think this year they'll make it. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully our predictions really, really, really come true because I uh, I think the fans need something something like that to continue to hype up uh, this team down there in the Rio Grande Valley because you know. It's always that same excuse. Uh, we the same thing happens with the Dynamo. I know Jacob would agree with that. Uh, that uh, they are like, well, they're not a winning team, so I'm not going to support them, kind of thing. And if they consistently, if they can make it to playoffs this season, and continue to build off on that, and, and uh, kind of inch closer to making maybe making the final in three, four years. Then yeah, we'll probably be looking at uh, consistent near sellouts at HEB Park. But other than that, if the results don't come, you know people are people are going to get desperate and they're going to lose their patience on this team. So Harry says uh, says hi Carson, Harry Austin, our friend from uh, our friend from San Antonio. Yeah, he's got he, he he's your number one fan, man. Uh, he said he also says I think between five and eight, top four will be Phoenix, SAFC, OKC, and OCAC. Then Reno, RGV, Austin, and New Mexico. Hmm. Not, not, not a bad call for Mary. Do you agree with that, uh, Jacob? Well, not necessarily. At least for the Austin. I really don't don't see them making it to the playoffs due to the fact that they just have a lot of well older players and we saw that kind of with Las Vegas last year kind of the burnout that we saw where it was just a slower paced team and that's why RGVFC was able to get if I'm not mistaken a victory and even a draw from Las Vegas last season so I think I see Austin not making the playoffs, but if they, because I, I'm a guy that thinks like Jerson does, young players will be able to really be able to push your team forward. Yes, maybe a couple of veterans, but not a veteran that's out of already the, I guess the Argentine league or something like that. That's already basically on his way out of the door. Those players you don't necessarily need, 
but maybe they'll prove me wrong. Now, I do agree with top four being Phoenix. Maybe not SAFC due to the fact that they steal a lot of players that will probably not make it to the MLS, a.k.a. what Sean says, which I do actually agree now with that. And, of course, then, yeah, OKC, OCSC, I do agree with the rest of his. But, L. I mean, Austin, that, they're going to have to prove something to me. I think my dark horse in this race in, in this race would, would be uh, I don't I don't know why but I have a feeling that uh, El Paso might be might be a, a dark horse that everybody's going to uh, un- underestimate. Um, from what I from what I was told that in, in the match between the preseason match between El Paso Locomotive and San Antonio FC, mind you, at San Antonio FC with fans present, they were able to keep them in a three uh, in the three periods a nil nil draw. So you're talking about uh, a team that that has been uh, hyped offensively and uh, you know coming into into this into this season. So. I would not be surprised if El Paso surprises everybody and is able to squeak into the playoffs. Maybe eighth, and I'll, I will see Prelino Mexico in seventh. But Carson, now that the topic has been brought up with that, what are your top picks for for this uh, for for playoffs? Oh, uh, I will probably agree with the top four that Harry threw out there, as far as Phoenix, uh, San Antonio, OKC, and Orange uh, County. I would say one that I'm feeling more confident about as it goes along is New Mexico. I think they've made some pretty savvy pickups. Obviously, I didn't get this yet um, just today or yesterday, whenever that was. But um, I, I, I think Vegas is going to be in the mix. I've obviously seen this preseason more than any other team. But, um, yeah, I think Vegas is going to be in the mix. Colorado Springs is also a team that's always decent. They never have like these horrible seasons or like really really good seasons. They're usually pretty solid, so mm-hmm. um, it's going to be interesting. I think, like we said, I think those four teams at the top are pretty comfortably going to be set there. But after that, it's going to be a, a battle for sure to get those last four. Uh, 